When I was 18 years old, I was under terrible conviction of my sin, and I didn't understand what I needed to do. I really was lost and had no man to guide me. I went to the grocery store, and a book caught my eye, and it was called God's Promises for Your Every Need. This is the exact copy of that book, the one that I bought when I was 18. As I was going through the book, I discovered that it really didn't have a whole lot about the plan of salvation in there. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you'll let me someday, I'd like to do a book, something like this, but better. And that being said, the Lord has allowed us to do a book just like that. And we are thrilled to introduce to you guys today the Doctrine Matters Bible Topic Guidebook. This book has over 300 pages of Bible verses categorized on all different relevant topics. What does the Bible say about addiction? What does it say about being afraid? What does it say about alcohol? What does it say about backsliding and baptism, the local church? Uh, what does it say about carnality and character? Uh, we cover topics like finances, money, persecution, preaching, profanity, sobriety, strife, vengeance, unbelief, your thoughts, your testimony, your walking with God, worship and witnessing and zeal. All of that is covered in this book. This book contains over 2,000 different verses on all these topics. And we encourage you guys to hit the link in the description below and buy one of these off of Amazon and consider buying one for a friend or a family member as a gift. And you could buy one for a person who's struggling because this book is designed to help people understand what the Bible has to say about all these great topics. We pray that the Lord would bless you as you get your copy of the Doctrine Matters Bible Topic Guidebook. Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, I want to just read a verse real quick, and we'll have a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll just give you a couple of thoughts from the Word of God today. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 31 there, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, this is, of course, in the context of the Lord's Supper, and uh, but he says this, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. For we should judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And uh, I want to talk to you about that, judging ourselves, judging ourselves for a, a few minutes and ask God to speak to our hearts. Let's pray, pray with me real fast. Father, we love you. Bless now this time, and I pray you speak to hearts and change us, Lord. Lord, help my mind to think clearly, help my mouth to speak clearly as I give the Word of God today. I pray that you touch hearts, touch lives, strengthen those in the, in the way of the Lord. And uh, God, help my mind to think clearly, help my mouth to speak clearly. It was a good delivery of truth today. And uh, just do what only you can do. Let the Word of God cut where it needs to cut. Let it be the balm where it needs to be the balm. And uh, Lord, just edify, strengthen us, and feed us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. <clears throat> it says about judging ourselves. Now, we live in a judge, not culture. <laughs> you know? uh, most of the comments you get on my YouTube videos are, how dare you judge this person? And I'm convinced that I could show a man, you know, like running, you know, like just like shooting puppy dogs. And I would say, this is not good. And then somebody would say, well, don't you judge, you know, and we live in this judge, not culture. And I think uh, I think some of that is, uh, well, most of that is highly misguided. I think sometimes we need to realize that we need to judge ourselves, too, in addition to judging. And, and by the way, judging is a good thing. If you don't, if you don't have good judgment when you're driving, you're gonna wreck. 
you will. And uh, that's what happens to a lot of folks. Now I'll tell you a story real fast. It's something that happened to me a couple of years ago. Um, I remember towards the end of the Obama administration, all this bathroom stuff started coming out. Y'all remember that years ago? All this, you know, uh, I'm, I am this gender. I should be able to go in this bathroom, whatever. And uh, all that was heating up. And then I remember, like, Trump had to make an answer on that towards the, when he was running for president, whatever. It was, it was a really bizarre social issue of the day, but it was, it was happening. And I remember, uh, I remember I was in St. Louis at the airport, and I was waiting to go on a trip to Africa. And I was just, you know, sitting there waiting. And lots of times all I do is sit in airports and wait. That's my whole life. My, my flight here to Rochester was delayed three hours yesterday. And I had to just sit there and just wait. Nothing you could do. Well, I, um, I had to go to the bathroom. So I got up, went in the bathroom. And, and, uh, and I, I, I just, all I want to do is just wash my hands because I ate something. I got something on my hands. So I went in there and I, I went in the bathroom, sure, washing my hands. And sure enough, I look over my shoulder and there's this male female like character walk into the bathroom and and i thought oh my goodness this is it's one of those <laughs> and i thought to myself okay i'm just going to ignore this thing and i'm going to wash my hands and i'm going to get out of here well that thing walked straight to me and tapped me on the shoulder and i said oh lord have mercy i'm about to be martyred for jesus and i'm dealing one, with one of those things you know because i don't even know what to call them do you know what to, what's we got pronouns now zzer you know i identify as the thou because i'm a king james bible guy amen that's what i am and um i, I don't even I don't, I don't even know how to talk to those people because they get offended at everything what do you say and so this thing came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and i looked at it and it said, you're not supposed to be in here in a real deep, manly voice. And I said, you're not supposed to be in here. And I bowed up real bad on that thing. And I said, you're not supposed to be in here. And it said, no, I'm telling you, you are not supposed to be in here. And I said, I'm going to go anywhere I want to, and you don't tell me what to do. And we went back and forth, and this thing was irate at me. And then I just started looking around. I hear you, brother. <laughs> Turned out I was in the women's restroom. <laughs> and I thought I thought they was the problem. Turned out it was me. <laughs> and I think we do that a lot in theology. And by the way, I, I had to make it when you when you if that ever happened to you, when you come to that dreadful conclusion where you realize what you've done. You don't know what to do because if you walk out, everybody sees you walking out of the women's restroom and then all of a sudden everybody thinks you're one of those, you know, and so I didn't know what to do. And so I, uh, I walked out and uh, at 100 miles an hour, <laughs> walked out of that restroom and went and hid in the corner of the airport for about three hours. So everybody, you know, that crowd had rotated out. Nobody knew who I was anymore. I just act like nothing happened. And, uh, but, but I think oftentimes what we do is we think everybody else is the problem. And we think that everybody is wrong and we are right 100% of the time. And I don't think that's true. I just don't think that's true. Quite frankly, I think if we're honest and we look at the world stage and we look at the apostasy of the churches, we look at the bad politics, and we can, we can talk about all the things that are wrong. But we, it's funny how we never include ourselves in that formula. And quite frankly, I really think what's wrong with America 
is really not the White House. I personally think it's the church house. And I think that if the church house would get right, I think the White House and all these other political houses will kind of straighten out. But we're not willing to entertain that, are we? We're not really willing to think that there could be something wrong with me. And I want to tell you that I, I hate sin. I hate apostasy. I hate compromise. And I hate seeing Christians compromise. And I hate seeing preachers compromise. But the sin and the compromise that bothers me more than anything else is my own. And I wonder, oh God, I give these people fits all the time. But where am I like them? There's the old adage, there's something about that guy that I see in myself that I hate about myself, you know. And uh, I want to tell you today that I think if we're going to be effective again as God's people and if we're going to make a difference, you know, and some having compassion, making a difference, I think we're going to have to be willing to every now and then turn the mirror on ourselves and say, Lord, it's me. Is it me? God help me with that. And so what I've done is I've, I've been able to, just through the favor of God, be able to start a YouTube channel, and I literally get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails a day I have people calling me from all over the nation. I got I got a guy in Canada who wants to call me tomorrow and talk to me for a little while, and just people all over the world want to talk to me. And and I, I'm just I'm not saying that I'm somebody. I'm just saying I've dealt with a lot of people on our side of this, and I want to say that I think to some degree there's some areas we need to judge ourselves. And I want to made a list here of six things, and I want to give you these six things that I think are common pitfalls of people on the orthodox side of this theology. And if you would write these down, I think they'd be a help to you. And these are things that I'm using to examine my own life and examine my own heart and uh, something that I can use to be a blessing to you. I want to say that major businesses, you know what they do? They hire people to come in and find fault. <laughs> They're called consultants. And those consultants, what they do, they just lay out the books and say, tell us where we're wrong. And those consultants exercise the spiritual gift of cynicism on those, uh, on those businesses. But I want to tell you, we need to do the same thing to ourselves. The first thing I want to give you today is that I think that as God's people, one of the areas that we're failing in today, maybe write this down, is that we are trying to be nice instead of being good. We're trying to be nice instead of being good. I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'll explain myself what I mean to you. I want you to see that in the Bible here, we're commanded to be good people. But I don't see a whole lot in there talking about being nice people. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about trying to, you know, go out there and be, do a, uh, a pro wrestler impersonation every day of your life as a, as a Christian, you know. I'm not saying we ought to be hateful, but I think, I think we've, we've made too much emphasis on niceness and not enough emphasis on being good people. And I'll explain to you what I mean. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you of a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And verse 16 says this. I want you to notice this. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your, notice this, good conversation. 
in Christ. I want you to notice there, there's not a whole lot there about nice. There's a whole lot in there about good, though. And here's what I want you to understand. A good person and a nice person is not always the same thing. It's not always the same thing. A good man will oppose evil. But a nice guy will oppose nothing. A good man will stand against what's wrong. A nice guy won't stand against anything. He's just nice. He's smiling. When I was in Bible college, I, uh, I was offered a job washing cars at a car lot. And it was actually a Ford dealer out there in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And I was, I was asked to go detail cars, get paid for it. And they, they would bring in like Shelby Mustangs and all kinds of cool sports cars. It was a pretty cool job. I thought it was pretty cool. And, uh, and so I went in there. And, and one day the general manager called me and says, hey, Spencer, you're fired. I said, what I do? He says, nothing. He said, I just don't have enough salesmen. You come up here. You're a nice guy. Come up here and, uh, and just be a car salesman. So all of a sudden, I'm in Bible college to be a preacher, and I'm a used car salesman all of a sudden. It's out of nowhere. And nobody, none, none of the customers believed me. I told them I was a seminary student. They're like, you're lying, and you know, because everybody lied to you all the time. But I found out a lot about these salesmen is that these salesmen, they were sleazeballs. They were liars. I'm talking about I wouldn't have trusted them with anything. I would not let them borrow a piece of lint out of my pocket. Sleazeballs. How do you know they were lying? Their mouth was moving. That's how bad it was. Liars. But they were the nicest people you ever met in your life. You go up to him and say, hey, man, I'm, 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 uh, I passed an exam today at, at college. He'd be like, oh, man, that's awesome. And somebody come in off the lot and say, hey, we got drunk with our buddies last night. <laughs> and they'd be like, man, that's awesome. Everything was awesome. Everything was good. We love everything. <laughs> We're just nice. <clears throat> and I think the average preacher today is the same way. Well, you know, we're just, we're just here to be positive. We don't want to be negative to people. Well, if you're going to be a good person, you're going to have to be negative about bad things. I'm going to tell you, I've got a negative spirit about abortion. And I've worked hard to get that negative spirit, and I aim to keep that negative spirit. Amen. And I'm going to tell you right now, the modern evangelicalism has, has literally sacrificed Bible doctrine and truth and right on the altar of manners. We're more worried about couth than we are about truth. We're more worried about what makes people feel good instead of what is good. And I want to tell you today that uh, that's really how Satan works. Satan puts the smiliest guy in the pulpit. And truth be told, God's men, a true Holy Spirit-filled man is not always going to be a nice man. That's for sure. If you don't believe that, look at Joel Osteen. Everything's glorious. Hey. I know how to build a big church today. I can go do it. All I got to do is get up and just tell everybody good things. And just, hey, sir, there's a miracle coming your way. It's coming. And I'd fill up a building. I would. I, I, want, I want to say this to you. Jesus Christ was the most holy, kind, and compassionate man to have ever lived. Nobody could top him. But... There were times in the life of Jesus where he literally was throwing tables over. 
I think a lot of Pharisees stood off on the side and says, now watching Jesus in the temple with chasing money changers with a whip. Can you imagine that? Flipping tables over. I can see a Pharisee standing off across the street saying, look at Jesus. He's not being very Christ-like right now. And that's the problem today. I think we're worried about being nice instead of worried about being good. Let me give you another thing real fast. Uh, fast. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 1, I want you to notice this. I think today also we're worried about being nice instead of being good, but I think today also we're worried about being happy instead of being holy. We're worried about being happy instead of being holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses number 15 and 16 says, But as he which called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And I want to tell you right now that that's something that's not preached today. We're preached that we literally, it seems like in the average church, Jesus is a happy pill. And all you got to do is take this happy pill and all of a sudden you'll be happy. Anybody's walking around with a smile on their face all the time, they're either medicated or they got something hid somewhere nobody knows about. There have been times in my Christian life that I had been miserable. You want to know why? Because I wasn't holy. There have been times in my Christian life where I was not close to the Lord. And I want to tell you that those are, those are miserable times as a born-again believer. And if you can get away from God and it doesn't bother you and it doesn't affect you even emotionally, then I want to tell you you need to check your launching pad because you might be disconnected there. Amen. That sounded good in my mind. I don't know why nobody said amen to that. That bothered me a little bit. Let me give you a little truth. Maybe you want to write this down. This is something that's changed my life. If you live to make God happy, then God will make you happy. If you live to make God happy, God will make you happy. What's that book Joel Osteen wrote every day of Friday? I was at Walmart. I happened to see that book on the shelf. I picked it up, thumbed through it. And you know what it was? It was, it was, you can do it. Everything's great. Don't you feel down? Don't you give in those molly grubs? Don't you let that spirit of negativity come in your life. That is not the way of the master. That is not the way of the Lord. He wants you to be a victorious, victorious person. He wants you to have a smile on your face every day. He said, that's where it's all at. As a matter of fact, they have that Joel, Joel Osteen inspiration cube. Y'all ever seen that thing? There's, there's this cube you can buy, and it's a speaker. It's a Bluetooth speaker. And every day you push a button on it, and something, something called an affirmation comes out of it. And I've, I've got one. And I've made videos on it. And I, I push that button. And what you do is you, is you go to your desk every day and you, and you push that button. And it, it, this music, come on, just music, the new age stuff. And it'll say, you are victorious. And it's, it's Joel Osteen. You are victorious. You are strong. There is a winner inside of you. And you can have everything you want in this life if you just believe it. And don't let the naysayers naysay you out of your blessings. And I'm I'm, I like, I'm literally wanting to throw up listening to this thing. But it's real. And people are going for that thing. Walgreens carries them. They're on Amazon. Go get you one. Amen. I made a couple of videos of me and my dog sitting there, <laughs> and uh, I think I'm gonna blow one up in a with tannerite. Y'all ever used to? Y'all have tannerite up here? Is that legal in New York? 
Yeah, Tannerite. Ta okay, Tannerite is this, it like comes in like this, this, this thing, like a jar, okay? And what it is is a white powder. And what you do is you take, there's a, there's a little aluminum packet of another powder in there. You tear open that powder, you pour it in that white powder, and then you shake the whole thing up. Okay, you shake it up, and it's about this big. You shake it up so it all mixes real well, and you set it down on like a tree stump or something, and you back up and you shoot it with a rifle, and it blows up like a hand grenade. It is the coolest thing ever. What we do is we, we I, I'll go buy one of those gallon jugs of water, and I'll empty the water out, and I'll go to the gas station, and I'll fill it up full of gas, and I'll set the gas can on top of the Tannerite. I'm talking about 50 feet in the air, fireball. Hollywood ain't got nothing on Kentucky people. Amen. Amen. Praise God. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick that Joel Osteen inspiration cube on top of that Tannerite and boom, I won't even see it ever again. Amen. That'll be good. But you know, why do people buy that nonsense? Why do people buy They, they buy it because they're trying to be happy without being holy. I'm going to tell you, if you go down, the road of go down the road of holiness, you'll find happiness. But if you go down the road of happiness, you won't find happiness. Because there is no true happiness outside of holiness. No such thing. Well, hey guys, your friend Spencer here. I want to talk to you about channel membership. This channel has turned into like a gigantic global thing. And we have so many things we're trying to do and we have expenses we're trying to meet and we need your help to do so. So YouTube has allowed us to be in something called the YouTube membership program. And that's what we have now where you can pay monthly to support this channel and just do it right through YouTube. And there's certain perks that you get uh, for doing this. And we want you guys to be a part of that. And there's so many things you get for being a channel member. So let me do this. I want to show you this, this uh, screenshot here. And this is from YouTube right on our channel here. And basically what we have is these five levels of membership that you could be a part of. Uh, one is $1.99 a month. Uh, two is $9.99 a month. Three is $24.99 a month. Four is $49.99. And level five is $99.99 a month. So level one is $1.99 a month. All you got to do is hit the join button on our channel and you get one of these loyalty badges next to your name and you get to use all these super cool emojis. Now, everybody who's a channel member gets to be a part of our super secret list of videos that only you people can have. Okay, we have we have like so many good videos behind that paywall that all of you folks can have and be blessed by. You can have all that for just $1.99 a month. Now, once you go up to ten dollars a month level two uh, we will actually send you a free cd and i've got cds all around here that we use and we'll just send you one of them for free just as a thank you to that and then also if you join at level three which is 24.99 a month uh, then you get to have not only just a, a cd but you get a book that we have now what we have is we we put on here sending our book calling evil good the live christian rock and roll which i have a copy of it right here now if you want one of these that'll be fine we'll send you one of those but we also now have have the Dr. Matters Bible study journals, and you can have either one of these. So we'll send you one, no problem, just as a thank you for joining our channel. We certainly would appreciate that. And then also uh, for $49.99, you get all the books, the CDs, and then even we're going to try to send you some, uh, some more uh, discounts on our Spreadshirt items and things like that. We'll take care of you on that and we'll try to work something out with you. And then also level five, you get basically the same thing. So uh, guys, listen, this is a way that you get to be a part of what God is doing on our channel and get to be involved in all this. And so level one, you get all the loyalty badges, access to all the videos. Level two, you get all, everything mentioned before and a CD. Level three, you get everything 
and a book with a CD and all the membership perks and everything like that. And the level four and five, you get a lot of uh, Spreadshirt item stuff and all that. So all you have to do to claim all these perks is uh, once you join, just email us, spencersmithmembers at gmail.com, spencersmithmembers at gmail.com, and tell us what what you want. Give us your name and address, and we'll send it right to you, man. We'd love to have you guys be a part of this. We have so many special videos exclusively for our channel members coming up in the very near future. You don't want to miss out on that. God bless you guys. We love you, and we will see you all very soon. I want to say also number number three, we're, we're worried about being nice instead of good. We're worried about being happy instead of being holy. But number three, I think I think we're worried about entertainment than we are exposition in churches. Entertainment instead of exposition. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I read that this morning. But I, I, I want to emphasize this because this is so prominent today. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul said this. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Someone said there ought to be two times when we ought to be preaching. Number one, in season. Number two, out of season. Amen. Well, I'll be preaching then. Verse number three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. I want to tell you right now that we are more worried about entertainment than what this book actually says. And 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 preacher, I'll tell you this: I I I look at the national conferences that are going on, especially the youth ones. And and quite frankly, I'm afraid that most of these youth conferences, all they're doing is bringing in professional comedians. I really, I, I think that's that we're, we're, we're getting dangerously close to that line. Comedy guys, funny preachers who don't use any Bible, and you walk away laughing at a joke, but you don't walk away meditating on a spiritual truth. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I love to laugh, and I love to tell jokes. I, I really do. I'd rather sit around and tell jokes with a bunch of God's people. And by the way, it's, it's hard to find God's people that, that believe in laughing anymore. Amen. Some of God's people, when you got saved, you lost everything. I mean, all your sin, and you lost all your fun, too. I'm going to tell you, that's, not, that's weird, okay? You, you make, holiness does not make you some stoic... Mm. Okay, that, that's not a fruit of the Spirit being... Some of you think fruit of the Spirit is cynicism. That ain't, no, that ain't no such thing. Smile a little, it's all right. Amen. But I want to tell you, I like, I like being around God's people when we can laugh. But I want to tell you right now, the greatest sermons that I've ever heard didn't make me laugh. The greatest sermons I've ever heard made me weep. The most life-changing messages I've ever heard from the Word of God were not ones that made me stand on my feet and shout. They were the ones who made me think. That's what I need. That's what you need. And quite frankly, I can get up here and entertain you and do all kinds of crazy stuff and tell you funny stories. And I got a lot of funny stories. I got, I got tons of funny stories. Praise God. And, uh, but that's not necessarily my job. Because a lot of times people walk out of a church and they'll say, hey, tell me that joke again. <laughs> tell me. I want to write that joke down. And they, they, they totally ignored all the truth that I tried to give them. And I think we're worried about too much of that. I like what Vance Habner said years ago. He said the job of the preacher is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. 
Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Can I can I take a moment? Can I tell a football story? Is that okay? I tell a football story. I, I, I like playing football. I was in high school. I, I wasn't that good, so don't I'm not trying to be that kind of guy who's like when I was a, when I was seventeen, I was the best and I'm not one of those guys. Some of these men, the older they get, the better they were, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I don't want to be that guy. Uh, but I, I, I was okay football player, but I played with a bunch of guys. I think I played with three guys that went to the NFL, and about seven or eight of them went to Division One, and a bunch of good guys. And um, when I got to be a junior, I thought to myself, this is my chance to play. I'm going to be a defensive end starting. And our football team, we were uh, public high school. We always played in the Georgia Dome where the Atlanta Falcons play our first game. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And I went around and told everybody, I said, this is my year. This is my year. I'm going I'm to start defensive end this year. And it's going to be awesome and good. And we did, we did uh, spring. Training. And then we, you know, came in early during summer to practice. And, and uh, I said, this is my year. And when they announced the starting lineup, they did not call my name. I was mad. And I kind of stuck my foot in my mouth because I told everybody I was going to start. And everybody was so happy for me. And then they called the starting lineup and I wasn't in the lineup. And I went to my coach. As I, I, was, I was about, about to turn 17. And I was a little bit angry, a little bit sad, a little bit of everything. And I said, I want you to tell me the truth. Why am I not starting? And he said, do you really want the truth? I said, yeah. And he told me. He said, you're too slow. He said, you're not strong enough. He said, he said Dusty, he can, he can bench press 375. You can't even bench press 315. He said, this, you know, so-and-so over here, he can, he's got about one second faster in the 40-yard dash than you are. And, and I, he, he filleted me. And I walked away broken heart. But you know what I did? I got to work. And guess what? The next year, guess who started? And I, I matter of fact, I got I got so big that I I went from defensive end to the nose guard. <laughs> okay, that's how that's how much I changed over that year. And I got to start in the Georgia Dome the next year, and uh, it was a lot of good, a lot of fun. But I'm gonna tell you right now. I, I would have never, I would have never, ever, ever had what I needed to make that change had not that man told me the truth. And that's what preachers need to do. Sometimes we get up, we hear things, and oh, man, it just cuts us to the heart. And oh, it's just, it's not fun. It's painful. I like the old phrase, you're stepping on my toes, preacher. Sometimes we need to have our toes stepped on. Billy Sunday, the old, have you ever heard of Billy Sunday, the old uh, Presbyterian preacher? He was an evangelist. Him and Gresham Macon were uh, right up in the thick of that whole fundamentalism with uh, fundamentalism, modernism, and all that kind of stuff. They were right in the thick of all that. As a matter of fact, um, I remember reading that Billy Sunday said, if a, man does, if a man does not believe the King James Bible is the perfect word of God, he ought not be in the ministry. He wrote a letter to Gresham Macon asking him to fire all Presbyterian evangelists that doubted the miracles and doubted the authenticity of the King James Bible. You can talk about a legalist. Amen. Divisive. Judgmental. I like him. <laughs> but he uh, he was preaching one time, and they said, Mr. Sunday, 
you, when you preach, you rub the cat the wrong way. And he said, well, turn the cat around. <laughs> and it'll be all right. <laughs> I think that's sometimes what we need. Instead of, instead of let the, rub the cat the wrong way, I think maybe the cat needs to turn around. And that's what we need to hear sometimes. You know, when I when I first got saved, can I can I take a moment and tell us? Can, is everybody okay? I need a vote of confidence. I'm I'm shattered again. I, I y'all didn't raise your hand. All right, give me five more minutes to preach. Let me give you five more minutes to preach. Okay. All right, that was a little weak. Okay. Um, we um when I got saved, I um I was sitting listening to an older man preach named Preston Moore, and he didn't know me at all. All he knew was some some weird looking teenager showed up, and that's all he knew. But he preached on things, and I swore this man was FBI, and he had been watching me. I mean, I got nervous. I went to my, I went back home, and I pulled the mirror off the bathroom, to make sure there wasn't a, wasn't a microphone or something back there or something. And I, mean, I was, I was, I mean, I lifted up my mattress, making sure there wasn't nothing other. I thought these people were listening to me. I thought, I mean, I was scared. But truth is, it wasn't that preacher's after me; it was that Holy Spirit's after me. And that Bible he's preaching, oh, man, he was roasting me. And you know what? It was the best thing for me because I needed to hear it. I needed to hear that that music was wrong. I needed to hear that my dirty cussing mouth, that that was wrong before God. I needed to hear that, that all those movies and entertainment that I had been watching. I needed to hear that that was wrong. That's what I needed. I needed that. Truth is, we all do a little bit. And uh, the old, uh, what was it, the Puritan... It wasn't the Puritan, it was the, the Quaker. He was going to go out and shoot his new gun one day, and he went out to shoot. There was a target he had sitting up against a tree. He went out to that tree, and there was a young man sitting on that tree. He went up to him and said, young man, he said, I would not hurt you for, for anything. He said, but you're sitting where I'm about to shoot. Guess what? The young man moved. <laughs> Truth is, sometimes we sit where the Holy Ghost is shooting, and we think that preacher's after us. Sometimes we just need to move. I think we're worried sometimes about entertainment over exposition. Let me give you this. Go to Luke chapter number 10, if you will. Luke chapter 10. We're worried about being nice instead of being good. We're worried about happiness over holiness. I think sometimes we're worried about entertainment over exposition. Number four, let me give you this. I think we're worried about activity over spirituality. Activity over spirituality. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says this. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which sat also at the Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away. Now, I want to tell you right now, a lot of us don't understand that because it's easy to be busy than it is to, it's easier really to be busy than it is to be spiritual i want to tell you right now and listen to me please you can be a soul winner running bus routes working 
24 hours a day for Jesus and not be right with God? I think you can. And as I see this story, I see I see that there's Martha and uh, and she is uh, man she's sitting there working and cumbered about in verse number forty, and uh, it says that uh, that Mary went over there and sat at the feet of Jesus and was hearing Jesus speak, and while Jesus is speaking, this other woman's over here busy doing whatever. And, and she's mad that that girl over there is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's over here serving and busy and doing all this work, and Jesus had to correct her. And he says, there's one thing that's needful. One thing that's needful. And she chose the good thing. I, I want to tell you this, and, and hear me. I'm for activity. I'm busier than I know how to be. I sat down with a team of people on Thursday night in my house, before we did a live stream on Thursday night, and I begged them to help me because I have more than I could ever do. I, I, I told them, you, listen, if we're going to go to the next level, it's going to be because you guys helped carry a lot of this load because I'm maxed out. I'm tapped out. I, I, there's nothing more I can do. But I want to tell you that all of your activity should be born out of your spirituality. You should go soul winning because you have... You've been walking with God and God's been working in your heart and you've just burning to tell somebody else about it. And I think lots of times, and it happened even to me in Bible college, we go to church out of routine. We go to church out of habit. And sometimes we show up to activities just because we know if we don't, they're going to talk about us. And it's a Baptist church, so that's what we do. And I think sometimes even spiritual leaders have used that to keep people busy, 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 but not being spiritual. Quite frankly, there's, there's a church near us that had a big Christian school, and the pastor told us, he said, my job is to keep the kids busy so they stay out of trouble. And, but the problem is we have so many of those kids that graduate from this Christian school, and then once they get out, out of that system that we have contained them in, that hamster wheel that they're running in constantly, 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 they step out of that and they step off into the world. Next thing you know, you've got a bunch of drunk 19-year-olds. Captain of the Christian boys basketball team this year. Next year, he's living with a girlfriend. What happened to these kids? We made them busy. But they never, were, they never did get spiritual. And I think even, even in the right kind of churches, we do that. We're just, we're just robots doing things without even really walking with God. Let me give you this next one. Go to Luke chapter 9. We're there in Luke 10. Let's go to Luke 9. We're worried about activity over spirituality, but let me just say this too. I believe lots of times we take the right stand with the wrong spirit. Right stand with the wrong spirit. Luke chapter 9, verse 51, the Bible says, And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. They did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. They, they insulted the Lord Jesus. They, they rejected him. And look what it says. These, these disciples were independent fundamental Baptists. I'm telling you, I swear they were. They really were. And it says this, verse 54, And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? <laughs> Is that not a Baptist preacher? 
<laughs> I think I've done that a few times. Amen. But he turned and rebuked them. And he said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. You are of. For the Son of Man has come and is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now, I, um, I do a lot of stuff where I talk about the grievous errors of men like Stephen Furtick, uh, even casting crowns. I'm t- listen, listen, please, I beg you, you don't even know what you're playing with, with that stuff. You are messing with Eastern mystical white magic occultism. That's what you're messing with when you get in that world. And I, I, I have made, I have tried every angle that I know to wake people up. I've tried just downright nasty talk. I've tried documentaries. I've tried satire. I have tried just, just taking a lawyer's approach and logically explaining why you need to get away from these people. But, but I, I mean this when I say this. I want to see these false teachers get right with God and come out of that mess and repent before God. I personally do not want to see people like Kenneth Copeland die and go to hell. And I mean that. I don't want, I don't want that. I personally don't even think Joel Osteen's saved. I don't want to see Joel Osteen die and go to hell. I don't want to see Kanye West die and go to hell. There ain't no way Kanye's saved. Kanye's about as, Kanye's about as saved. If he's saved, then Saddam Hussein was saved. But I don't want to see these people die and go to hell. I want to see them repent before God come out of all that and get right with the Lord. I really do. Carl Lentz, the former pastor of Hillsong, New York City, I, I don't. That guy's a train wreck theologically. He, it's like he wakes up every morning and says, "What kind of stupid things can I say about God today?" It's terrible how grievously bad these men's theology is. And I want to expose it because what they're saying is dangerous. But I mean this, and God knows my heart. I want to see those men, even them, come to the Lord and be right with God. And I think sometimes we rejoice in the fall of our enemies. We rejoice in, in, in the errors of others. And it's like we use our truth as a... It's, it's like we're, it, one of the works of the flesh is something called emulations. Y'all ever read that before? Variants and emulations. You know what, you know what that is? That, that's, that's the idea. I'm trying to one-up everybody. You ever been around somebody and he's like, you know, he's like, you know, I went fishing the other day and I caught a fish that big. And then the next guy's like, well, I caught a fish this big, you know. And then there's the one-armed man went fishing. He caught a fish this big. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you'll get that later. And uh, we're trying to one-up everybody all the time. And I think sometimes even in theology we're trying to do that. And I want to tell you that I, I don't want to create in people's mind that Spencer's right and, you're, and everybody else is wrong. What I'd rather do is I'd rather create it in everybody's mind that the Bible is right. And that's it. And Spencer pointed you to what the Bible said. That's what I want. And I think, I think lots of times we're too busy being, verse 54, Lord, without that, without that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did. I think we want to do that too much. I personally think that was probably Peter because at the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter's the one who fell asleep on the Lord. Sorry, Joker. And then he pulled a sword and tried to 
cut Malchus's head off, and he so probably so groggy he missed his head and hit his ear. And the Lord told him, said, "No, wait, stop, put that up. I'm gonna fix this." And I think sometimes we have the right stand with the wrong spirit. But number six, let me give you this real fast, and then we'll be done. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just gotta let you know that so that you have some hope, okay? And First uh, Corinthians chapter one with me. Let me just review real fast. We're worried about being nice instead of being good. We're worried about being happy instead of being holy. We worry about entertainment over exposition. We're worried about activity over spirituality. We have the right stand but the, with the wrong spirit. But let me say this lastly real fast. and We're talking about judging ourselves. I think sometimes we're worried about who is right instead of what is right about who is right instead of what is right. First Corinthians chapter 1, I want you to see this. Paul's rebuking these people because, in a sense, it's almost like they got tribal. He says this in um, verse number 10. He says, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, for it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. By the way, this is a carnal church. And I want to tell you right now that I'm not your enemy. And you're not my enemy. But when we get carnal, we, we start at each other. That's what happens. But look in verse number 12. This is what it says. He said, Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of, uh, I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And, and so what he's saying here, he said, uh, he's saying, look, guys, you guys are always playing, really, you're playing this game of pettiness about really trying to one-up each other. And I guess the modern term for this is camps. Whose camp are you in, <laughs> you know? I, th I think another modern equivalent of that is, you know, what college did you go to? You know, there's that. There's a missionary. He was uh, down in Brazil. He was a young kid, grew up in a missionary family down there. And uh, they had they always had a summer camp called Camp Papagayo down in, in Brazil. And he came back to America and went to Bible college, went on deputation. And one of the one of the churches he was at, the pastor asked him, said, what camp are you in, son? And he didn't know what any camps were, so he just said, I'm in Camp Papagayo, is what he told him. And uh, I think we all need to just do what the Lord wants us to do. And I think today, I, I think what's happening is that we are worried about who is right instead of what is right. And I get people all the time ask me, what do you think of this preacher? What do you think of that preacher? What do you think of that preacher? Well, the truth is, it's not about these preachers. It's not about that. We, we talk about the preachers as an example of a false doctrine because you have to identify that. But the truth is the issue is not the preacher. The issue is the doctrine. And, and really it's not about following me or following this person or whatever. It's about what does God's word say? And let's follow that. And I think that's the, that's the problem we have today is we've got a lot of celebrity culture in churches today. We have rock star preachers. We got rock star musicians, but we also have rock star preachers. And I want to tell you today that I, I like what John the Baptist said. He said, he must increase 
and I must decrease. Truth be told, we, uh, we, we say we want Christ to get all the glory, but I think really we want 99.99% .99 of it for ourselves. And uh, as one preacher years ago, he said, he said a lot of, lot of folks are worshiping preachers today. He said the preachers didn't start it, but they're not doing a whole lot to stop it. I think that's true. So I wonder if we would just judge ourselves. Are we being worried about being nice instead of being good? Are we worried about being happy instead of being holy? Are we worried about entertainment over exposition, activity over spirituality? Do we have the right stand with the wrong spirit? And are we worried about who is right over what is right? I think today if we would just examine ourselves, because really the truth is we can, we can yell and fuss about all that that's out there. But I think... If we look at it through the Lord's eyes, I think what the Lord says is we are the problem. And I think if we fix ourselves and get right, I think everything will take care of itself. I think so. And so I'm going to judge myself by this standard, and I invite you to do the same. And I'm going to pray, and preacher, whatever you want to do after this, be fine with me. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Oh, God, strengthen us. Help us. God, help me. I want to be right with you. I want to be a good man. I want to have the right standard with the right spirit. I want to be holy. God, I want, to, I, I, want to, I want to worry about what's right, not who's right. Help me, Lord, as I see these things, examine myself. Help me, God, to be right with you. Well, thank you for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, your friend Spencer here. I believe that everybody needs three homes. First of all, you need a heavenly home. I got mine when I was 18 years old and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and was saved. And God gave me a home in heaven. Number two, I believe that everybody needs a physical home, a place where you live with your family. This is my home here and this is our office where we shoot a lot of our videos and do a lot of our ministry work from here. And so this is my earthly home. And number three, I believe everybody needs a church home. And we've had a lot of people ask us, Spencer, we see the problems with what you're talking about, but we don't know where to go to church now. What do we do? And so I kind of asked God to help us with this, and we've been able to put together a website for you called independentbaptist.church, independentbaptist.church. You can go on that website and type in your zip code and whatever distance you're willing to travel, and then you can find what we have as far as our records for a church for you. Now, this is a list that is always a work in progress, and we're always pruning and adding and doing all kinds of stuff like that. And so in time, we hope to expand this list and see what God does with it there. We've had people from all over the country email us and say, Spencer, because of this website, I have found my new church family. And we rejoice with these people and uh, thank God for all that he's done with this. So independentbaptist.church is your website to help you find a new local church that believes the Bible, preaches the Bible, and does not bow to the modern-day compromise and watered-down Christianity that is so prominent today. And so we encourage you guys to visit independentbaptist.church. God bless you, friend.
I declare that you will live as a healer. You are sensitive to the needs of those around you. You will lift the fallen, restore the broken, and encourage the discouraged. You are full of compassion and kindness. You won't just look for a miracle. You will become someone's miracle by showing God's favor and mercy everywhere you go. That was awesome. He didn't mean Joel Osteen was awesome. You have to see the video. Thank you for listening.